0: Answer me these questions, three. Five.
1: You're listening to the Dune Steve Audio Fiction Magazine, and now here's your host, Rish Outfield. In your cheap attempt to get a laugh, you've exposed yourself as a callous, insensitive. Dare I say, morally bankrupt monster. And Big Anklevich. you sir are a fiend.
2: Clean up, clean up, everybody, everywhere. Clean up, clean up. Big has got no pubes.
0: Okay, welcome everybody to the Dune Steve Fiction Magazine. Yes, I huh. agree
2: completely. I'm Big Anklevich. And I'm Rich Outfield. And thank you for joining us once again.
0: As we sit down by the fireside and share another story with you. Today's story is a triple word score contest winner. Have we not gone through these yet? (laughs) No, we're not even close. Oh, no. Whose Um, idea
2: was this? Whoever it is should be fired, is all I know. I agree. Their life should be at least as crappy as mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will make sure that that happens. But it would be neat if there were someone out there who looked forward to these triple word score things and... It delighted every time it was one of those.
0: I bet you there is one person that is delighted each time that we put these stories out because they were the person that wrote that story.
2: Oh, see, I thought you were getting it. <laughs> But they had to ask the orderly to turn on and turn off the MP3 player because the straitjacket wouldn't allow them to. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point. Who is, announcer man, who's the uh, the writer of today's triple word score story contest winner finalist person? Josh Roseman. Well, that's great. Jo- wait, uh wait. Josh Roseman the uh famous trombonist.
1: No, the other Maybe.
2: one. Oh, okay. Big remind me what many awesome things Josh Roseman Man. has done for us before.
0: He's done many many things in the past on this show. Um he's written several stories for us including two Christmas stories that we've run the oh, last two the Christmases. Yes, the Secret Santa Sorry, sorry, <laughs>
2: Sateen.
0: That's... Secret Santa and Secret Santa 2 Krampusnacht were written by Josh Roseman. And he's participated in pretty much every contest that we've done. I inc- was he responsible for that noise I just heard? <laughs> that was the chair. Oh, okay. <laughs> Including winning the first contest with his story 27 Jennifers. That was Roseman? That's right. Wow, and we've had several other stories from him. He's even done voices on the show. He's produced a show for us,
2: so he's an all-around good fella. I, I understand that he has several Grammy nominations as well, which uh, I think is <laughs> it's it's really impressive. <laughs> Boy, don't you think so, announcer man?
1: No, no, just keep digging.
2: So yeah, he's got a story for us today. His three words. Oh yes, briefly explain what, how how the triple word score store contest. Well, Do we even have to do this at this point?
0: Uh, I don't know if we need to keep doing it or not, but I suppose we will, just in case it happens to be somebody's first episode that they're listening to. Basically, Triple Word Score Contest is a contest where people were randomly assigned three words, and they had to write a story incorporating these three words, and the story needed to be 2,000 words or less. And Josh Roseman's three words today were forklift night and jelly and he incorporated those three words into the story that is titled cleanup who produced today's story big cleanup was produced by justin charles who has done several stories for us and has more down the line for us he's uh he is perhaps our most enthusiastic producer these days, which is nice to have somebody that has enthusiasm since neither you or I have it anymore. Anyways, he's, he did a great job. He put it together and did some, some interesting stuff. And um, we'll let you check that out now. We'll go ahead and head straight off to the story and we'll see you on the other side.
2: Cleanup by Josh Roseman. The Blue night is outside, talking to the police and the media. Through the front doors of the store, I can see the bright white lights of news cameras, and the red, white, and blue strobes of police cars, ambulances, and fire engines. I already told Monique to turn off the TVs in the electronics department. The last thing we need is to see him out there, all chiseled jaw and intense eyes, talking about how he and the rest of the chromatic knights are going to, and I can quote it without even watching, clean up this city's vampire problems once and for all. Clean it up, huh? Not a chance. Every time there's a vampire attack and the Rainbow Brigade shows up, we're the ones called in to clean up the mess. And the Blue Knight made quite a mess tonight. That's for damn sure. Jerry, the store manager, is sticking close to me. It's annoying, actually. I could get a lot more done if he wasn't looking over my shoulder.
0: Do you need to know what happened?
2: He asks. I shake my head. I think we've pretty much got it under control, thanks. I point to the vampire with the smashed face, the one who Jerry said was the leader of the gang, and Jason and Becky go to work. First, Becky slams a wooden stake through his heart. Then they take him by the arms and legs and carry him out to the truck. The stake will keep him truly dead until we can burn his body in our incinerator, back at the office. Dave and Rodrigo, without being told, are already in the furniture department. There's a bunch of smashed press board and broken glass that they'll deal with, just like Evan and Wilson are doing up at the front of the store with the cash wraps. Just knowing that we're the ones who have to do the dirty work makes me grumpy. You'd think even the Blue Knight would know how to deal with vamps properly. Huh? Jerry practically scampers to catch up with me. He stopped them, didn't he? He stopped them, I tell Jerry, but he didn't necessarily kill them. Jerry's thin face looks confused. Staked through the heart, or decapitated, or killed with fire, preferably all three. That's the only way. A pause. Then... Oh. He shrugs. I wonder why the Blue Knight didn't do that. I don't have an answer for that one. The Rainbow Brigade, and do they ever hate that nickname, which is why I use it whenever I can, isn't much for being proactive or learning about their enemies. They just wait to get called in, wreak havoc, destroy whatever they can destroy and then get the hell out of there without even waiting for us to show up and fix what they've broken. And pigs might fly before they ever offer to help. No, that would be beneath the chromatic knights. No one with superpowers ever needs to do such menial things, and especially not the blue knight. He's basically Superman, as long as the sun is down. Super strength, super speed, and if he can't fly, then at least he does a pretty good job faking it with some epic long jumps. When the sun's up, he's powerless, but that doesn't stop him from being a smarmy asshat even during the day. Jason and Becky join me in the back stock area. Cleaning up scattered office supplies is tedious, but I always keep the worst jobs to myself, and I can already tell this is going to be a doozy. He chased this one back here and beat on him for a little while, Jerry says, standing back while I assess the situation. Then he... He gestures. Well, you get the idea. Yeah, I do. I eye the brownish-red stain creeping out from under the forklift. The forklift that's on its side, of course. Because woe betide the blue knight making my job even the slightest bit easier. Please tell me you have another one of these. Jerry nods and points to the far end of the stock area. Why? Because I don't think all of us working together will be able to lift this thing. Oh, good point. Jerry fishes a key out of his pocket. Here, he says. Thanks. I take the key and toss it to Becky. Drive that one over here, will you? Sure thing, boss. She jogs in that direction. She's going to fork under the roof part here, I tell Jason, pointing at the driver's compartment of the toppled forklift. Once she gets it up enough, we'll push it the rest of the way. What about... He swallows hard his face a little pale. Well, you know. Just try not to think about it, and remember it was a murderer. Doesn't help. I shrug. Best I got. It takes a second for Becky to get her forklift positioned. Lift it slow, I say. Don't want to tip yours in the process, right? Right! She nudges the vehicle forward, a few jolting inches at a time. Until I give her the thumbs up. Then she pulls gently on the handle at her right, and the forklift's electric motor starts to whine. It's the normal, I'm lifting heavy things sound at first. But as the other forklift starts to rise, Becky's makes grinding, protesting noises. Fortunately, she doesn't have to lift it very far. Once there's about three feet of clearance under the toppled forklift, Jason and I reach underneath and shove as hard as we can. It turns out to be almost too hard. The forklift rights itself, hitting the concrete floor with an enormous clang that reverberates through the entire store. Becky throws up. Jason claps his hand to his mouth and makes a run for the bathrooms, probably just barely controlling his own vomit. Jerry sits down hard, then passes out. I'm the only one still standing. The only one who can stomach seeing the remains of the vampire that the Blue knight smashed into so much chunky, multicolored jelly. The remains that I'll now be cleaning up on my own. Awesome. It's well past three in the morning when we finally walk out of the store and into the mostly dark parking lot. Jerry's the only employee still there when we finally do. I can't fault his people for having left. They just got attacked by vampires. Why would they want to hang around if they didn't have to? My team is ready to go home, too. I don't know about everyone else, but my eyes are pretty gummy, and I'm jittery from all the terrible coffee Jerry kept brewing for us. We wait for Jerry to lock the doors and the security gate, and then Rodrigo escorts him to his car. The rest of us wait by our vehicles. Monique and I came in her ancient Chevy Caprice, and everyone else rode in the van. All our cleaning materials, and the five non-pulverized bodies, are in the trailer hitched to the wood-paneled Chrysler. You guys good to go? I ask.
3: No problem, boss.
2: Becky's leaning against the driver's side door. She gives me a weak smile.
3: Sorry about the mess.
2: Not your fault. Compared to scraping up the remains of a vampire that was crushed into salsa, mopping her vomit was like a walk in the park. Burn the bodies, get the stuff ready for the morning crew, and then take off, okay? It's late enough. No shit, Dave says. Hey, no offense,
0: but let's not do this again tomorrow night, huh? Right there with you.
2: I give the crew a half hearted wave and then climb into the passenger seat. Monique's already got the motor running by the time my seatbelt is on.
3: Hey, you okay?
2: I'll live. I reach across the bench seat and take her right hand in my left. Just, it's a long day, you know. I know. Her skin is dark against mine, even in the dim, sodium-yellow lights of the parking lot. She raises our joined hands to her mouth, as if to brush her lips over my skin. But I resist.
3: What is it?
2: I just mopped up chunky vampire remains and whatever Becky had for dinner. Are you sure you want to do that? I hear the hint of a smile in her voice.
3: I guess you're right.
2: She settles for resting her cheek on my wrist.
3: You're shaking.
2: She says softly.
3: You sure you're all right?
2: I'm fine. It's the crappy coffee, that's all. Let's just go home. I release her hand so I can try to get comfortable in the crevice between the seat and the door. My head cradled in the shoulder strap of the seatbelt. Wake me up when we get there. Then we'll get, I can't stop a small grin, we'll get cleaned up.
0: Welcome to the other side all right so we got a cast list for you um today's story as we said was produced by justin charles and the voices were let's see rish outfield was our narrator and lead character julie hoverson played the character of becky i believe was her name monique was played by renee chambliss
2: What about the Muppetesque
0: character? The Muppetesque manager of the store was played by Big Yanklevich, as well as one other guy in the crew who has, like, one line at the end that was also played by me. A little less
1: Muppetesque for that guy. Hey, Big, do your Kermit the Frog imitation. Uh, um... Wow, that's just uncanny. Weird.
0: (sighs) Yeah, I think that the first character was voiced by Jim Henson himself. It's nice to have him come back from the grave and actually do a character for us. That was really kind.
1: Big Anklevich, so pathetic it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad.
0: It's nice to be born with special gifts, huh? Isn't I wouldn't know. The I'm gift, gift free, of free, sir. The gift of being able to sound like a Muppet.
2: That's right. That's Not funny. exactly Justice League material, but it's a superpower of the sort. <laughs> uh, I was curious if we asked, had a chance to ask uh, Mr. Roseman the three, the the questions three, if you will. The
1: famous trombonist.
2: Wait, no, no announcement. I appreciate you trying to participate, uh, but no,
1: the uh, the
2: writer. Yeah, the, we actually guy, do
1: mean the
0: writer of today's know. story in this case, because. The famous trombonist really doesn't know a whole lot about this story, I don't think. So, um, we did ask him the questions, three, and he responded, kindly enough. So let's, let's check out his answers. You can read the questions, sir. All right.
3: Roseman.
2: Was this a fun contest for you? Is writing generally fun to do anyway? How did the rules of this contest make it more or less enjoyable for you?
0: I enjoy the challenges set out by the Steve. I've entered every contest except the October ones you used to do. I like this one because of the shorter word count. Limiting myself is difficult. Most of my writing goes quite long. The challenge here was to create round characters and and a coherent plot in 2,000 words or fewer. And the judges seem to enjoy what I came
2: up with. Not me, Josh. Don't go there. Question two. You were given three words at random. How much impact did the three words have on the finished product? How did you decide in what way to use the words? I feel lucky that my words, uh, forklift,
0: night, and jelly, were easy ones, compared to some of the words some others got. The genesis of the story itself actually comes from a vampire novel I was writing with a friend back in the 1990s. I wanted a fight scene in an office depot. So when I thought forklift, I thought, where have I worked that uses forklifts? The answer, Office Depot. Jelly was easy, but night was more difficult until I decided to create the Chromatic Knights. A bunch of of superheroes who got the job done! done. But we're kind of dicks about it.
2: Cool. Question three, who's your favorite doctor?
0: My favorite doctor is Brian Lincoln. Oh, wait, sorry. Josh, who's your favorite doctor? Probably Dr. Crusher. I had a, pardon the wording, bit of a crush on her back when TNG first came out. You know that's funny? Because I also had a bit of a crush on Dr. Crusher. Did you really? Not so much on Wesley Crusher, more on Beverly Crusher.
2: Boy, how times have changed, though, now. <laughs> the story was a short one. I guess I've mentioned before that if we hadn't limited the word count on these things, we'd still be judging them. But True um,
0: enough. But yes, it does
2: feel like this is...
0: Although the, all the other readers would probably have been done six months ago, it would just be us, too, still reading them.
2: I know, it's, just, it's embarrassing. <laughs> how little we actually do anymore. The... The story itself feels like it's part of a, a much bigger universe and we're just catching like the very corner. We're just getting a glimpse of stuff that goes on. What, what, what did you classify this as? What kind of story is this?
0: It's like a slice of life, I would say. It's, it's a day in the life of the janitor for the, uh, the superhero. It's Superman's janitor. A day in the life of his janitor crew. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, you think about that. A lot of times you'll see movies, TV shows and cartoons and stuff like that. Uh, and we complained about it with the Man of Steel show, how mu- how much unbelievable damage he did to the poor city of Metropolis when he fought Zod. And you can, you know, you get the kind of the same feeling when you watch like the Avengers movie as those flying... Shark, eel, monstrosity things are just flying right through the middle of buildings and just crushing everything, you know. And all you see, all the rubble falling and stuff like that. And then you think afterwards, how long is it going to take for that to be cleaned up? And it seems to me like it's going to be years, you know. I mean, you we saw the damage that happened, for example, in September 11th when two buildings were brought down. And I would say most movies that we see these days, two buildings is just the first scene. You know, they're not done at two buildings. So, you know, two buildings were brought down in New York for real, and it took years and years to get everything back to normal. And you know you see these other movies where they're taking out dozens upon dozens of buildings and yeah I, i'm i guess i'll have to say that i'm glad i kind of i'm kind of glad i live in a world where there are no superheroes because yeah i mean it would be it would be a disastrous thing all the time to have to go around and clean up after that kind of stuff you know it's very seldom in superhero uh stories that we get the point of view of the normal person you know now that we've had so many superheroes there's there are a lot more people that are starting to explore that kind of thing they're setting stories in the world you know there's like mer lafferty's book playing for keeps i don't know if you've ever uh read that one right with keepsies bar where she is she actually has a superhero but she's basically kind of a regular person. And at the start of the story, she goes out and is inconvenienced by superheroes. You know, superheroes are fighting and they're bashing things up and stuff like that. And now she has to, like, you know, take a different road to get to work because she can't travel safely the way that she normally goes. Kind of, you know, that kind of a thing would be really common in those worlds. You know, so many crazy things go on. It would suck to be the janitor. You know, when Superman and the rest of the Justice League go to fight Dracula and his crew, what is it going to be like? I've been a janitor before, and it sucks to clean up after humans. If you had to clean up a vampire that has been mashed into salsa, which I thought was a fun visual, that would suck. You talk clean up clean up clean up everybody everywhere is that i think that song comes from barney is that the, the case oh see i was about
2: to ask you uh, the first time i heard that i thought wow oh, that's that's cute my mom made up a cool little song and then my uncle was singing it and i was like wow he, did he get that from her because yeah I, I then then i heard you do it or heard somebody else do it and i was like, <laughs> "Oh." Just from a show or something. Yeah. Somehow everybody in the
0: world knows that song, but I did not hear that when I was a child. So I, it, I'm guessing, and I think somebody once told me Barney. I'm not sure though. It, it comes from a show that started after we were children.
3: Everybody do the fair. Yeah.
2: yeah. That, thanks, Anatoman. That was a contribution. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know why, but yeah, I've I've always found that little cleanup song kind of amusing.
0: Yeah, it's cute that kids at the youngest age seem to somehow know this song. Kids that are two, one and a half, will sing along with that and clean up.
2: Not Uh, your kids, apparently.
0: (laughs) He says, looking around the room and seeing the mess. Uh, Unfortunately, no, my kids, they don't even know the words clean up. I need to force them to read this story so that they can know how I feel. When I get home and look around, how my wife feels when she looks around. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Good times, being parents of children like these.
2: Yeah. Have you ever... Cleaned up vomit? Yes, this week. Okay,
0: but that's not what I was going to ask, actually. This story pits superheroes against vampires. I found that to be kind of interesting, although... I guess that's something that has existed, at least in the Marvel Universe, for like a while. I don't know if it's in DC as well. But uh, I actually was watching an episode of the Ultimate Spider-Man television show the other day, in which they had the Howling Commandos, but they weren't the 40s Howling Commandos. They were a bunch of monster Howling Commandos. So they had a Wolfman... And they had man they had thing were,
2: werewolf by night yes man
0: thing was and did one they of call them. him
2: giants they did well Man-thing.
0: later yeah late, later on in the show the I think the mummy went bad on them and they had to fight the mummy and man thing collected some more garbage from out of the sewer so that he could expand in size and be giant sized man thing
2: he rang out several diapers <laughs> yes. into himself.
0: So yeah, that, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, that's something I guess that they've done over the years is they've had Marvel Monster comics. And somehow, I guess, that everything in Marvel is just part of the same universe. So if there's Marvel Monster comics, then they can fight Captain America or Man-Thing or whoever. I don't know. That seems interesting. I like the idea of superheroes versus vampires. I, I feel like I want to see more of that world. Um, well, did, didn't they have Blade show up on one of those? Oh, yeah, Blade well, was one it. of the Howling Commandos. Oh, well, I think, never mind. Too. It's the
2: same episode. There there was an episode of Avengers Assemble, uh, which is another cartoon that's on right now, the Marvel cartoon, where Captain America and Dracula knew one another because back in World War II transylvania joined the allies against the axis powers dracula is their sovereign leader because he didn't want you know the nazis to take over the world and i just i loved the idea of vampires fighting in world war ii for some reason oh my gosh (laughs) i was so excited about this and see all these years later of course dracula had decided to fight the avengers instead of be a good guy or whatever well it's
0: it's like x-men united you know sometimes you gotta unite to fight a a larger menace and then you know once you're done defeating it you can go back to your uh, your separate places and get back to being enemies again
2: yeah i I suppose so but uh it was neat and i thought that the design for dracula on that cartoon was really cool you know some of the design's don't seem to be as as good because you know they have to deviate from the comics. But I thought that this design was much better actually than the. He
0: looked exactly like the Count from Sesame Street. And every time he would punch him, he'd go, two, ah ah, ah, and punch him again. Three! Three punches! Ah ha ha. ha. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you voicing all the Muppets in today's episode. We'll
0: be... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's something about that that I like. I wonder, I, I suppose our listeners are always way better read than we are. <laughs> so they probably have already read a book that is Superheroes versus Vampires. And they can, in the comments, tell me where I need to go to find it. But yeah, it would be interesting, I think, to read about it. It was fun to hear the story of the janitors for those guys, but I don't know that I'd want a full comic book about the
2: janitors. Right, there was a a comic series in the 80s called Damage Control that was about this team that was sent out to clean up after all of these big fights and and things like that. And I believe those guys showed up on Ultimate Spider-Man in an episode two of Damage Control. Did they have the little red
0: flashy thingy that they say, just look at the flashy thingy? It was similar to that, yeah.
2: I mean, in the comics, it wasn't like that. They were not a rip off of Men in Black. But I think on the cartoon, there's like, hey, you know, what this is like, let's embrace that.
3: Sorry, yeah. I mean, that
2: I meant for that to go somewhere, didn't? Oddly, <laughs> enough. that's funny. I we're just out of practice on Dune episodes. I no was, was I did I used to be better at vamping than I am now. I,
0: Ooh, pulling uh, it back into the vampire motif. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> It's fun, too, to to write a story like he was saying, that it was Office Depot. Apparently he used to work there and used to use forklifts. Um, So immediately he wanted to set the story in Office Depot. Um, It's fun sometimes to do a story like that. I remember one time you challenged me to write a story set at a Little Caesars pizza place. Because Because you and I... yeah, Yeah, both you and I had, in the past, worked at a Little Caesars pizza place. And for once, the one time this has ever happened, I wrote that story and you didn't. Usually, the way those contests work when we do a broken mirror story is you send me your finished story and it makes me feel guilty enough that I finally start mine. But for once, I actually did write the story... Ahead of you, do you still even remember your story idea for yours?
2: Yeah, sure.
0: So, there is a possibility. I have like that a beginning,
2: middle, and end, and it's probably on my computer somewhere. Yeah. So, but also on my computer is your finished story from like 2011. But I don't, I will never read it because <laughs> the only the only way I could read it is if I finished my own. It's like now I can read Biggs, but it's been so many years. Yeah, well, there is the possibility if you still remember it. You should put your story out there somewhere so, so a listener could read it. I, it was good, right? I liked it. I remember the premise and thinking, oh, that's better than mine. There's some way I could rip this <laughs> on. And yeah, you can go on to Amazon to read my ripoff of Big's idea, which is called... No, I didn't like that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, there is the possibility that someday your Little Caesars story will appear. And as long as I fulfill the goals that I've made for myself this year, you will be able to read my story You'll be able to purchase it at Amazon.com before the year is out. By the year is out, I mean before October comes again next year. <laughs> Not before 2014 is over. Less than one year from now, <laughs> okay. we'll we'll say. I, I think that's fun to do that kind of stuff. Set something, and by the time I finally wrote it, it was so long past the days that I worked at Little Caesars that I don't know how accurate the details might be. Some people might read that and go, Pfft, it's not what it's like. Um, but maybe they wouldn't. Maybe
2: they would be like, wow, I bet this guy worked there once. Well, yeah, except for carving a shiv out of a bar of soap, you and I working at Little Caesar was, was the only thing we had in common. Somebody should uh, remind you of that if it's 2015 and there's still no... It was called Little Caesar's Ghost, right? Yes. I thought that that was a very clever title. Mine was called Untitled Little Caesars Story (laughs) that has yet to be written.
0: It was called Ben Works at a Little Caesars. Just to, in case you are not familiar with this, Rish wrote a story (laughs) recently that's called Mick Attends an Elementary School Carnival.
2: And big, for some reason, the writer of Zoe, Chloe, Joey, and David Bowie Thought that that was a bad title. <laughs> and I'm just curious, is that the title that you're going to
0: stick with? Or oh. are you still trying to think up a better one for it? Because usually titles are kind no, of your specialty. That's the title of that one. That's the title? It's not changing? Because that just seems like a
2: working title. No, no, the working title was Mick Goes to an Elementary oh, School. Oh, okay. And you can
0: see how I've improved.
2: Yeah, it. I can see you, really, you
0: really buffed that one up and made it really work. Okay.
2: I decided not to bury the lead in that one. Like, oh, wow, God, yeah, I got. Wonder well, what this story is about. Yeah, could it could be anything. It overtaken. Does. <laughs>
0: but, it uh, does help to get people to understand what they're what they have in
2: store for them. So rain like diamonds falls gently on the <laughs> rooftop of the sanitarium by Jason Sanford. Yeah, th- these are uh, not necessarily the best title. How did we get on this? Oh, I was just
0: curious because we were talking.
2: Oh, Little Caesar's Title. Little Caesar's
0: Title. I haven't had a chance, sadly, to listen to the story yet, so.
2: Oh, count your blessings, sir. Uh,
0: But unfortunately, I have it all ready to go to listen to, so I will get to see just exactly
2: what things happen at this
0: elementary school carnival. Does he do the cakewalk? There is a cakewalk. Does he do the balloon dart thing? I don't know. I think there's a balloon
2: dart thing. No, you know what? I had already done the fade? balloon. i done the balloon dart thing with the uh, try your luck story. <laughs> That's right. Does it? No one will fa- ever, ever read.
0: Does he get his face painted? What happens? I think there was face painted. I'm yet. pretty excited. Did you to find just out. go
2: to an elementary school carnival? Are they all the same? Is that- they're
0: all pretty much the same. I've attended an elementary school carnival. Big attended ah. an elementary school carnival in the past, so I know. Didn't you tell me you got these football? characters from an elementary school. That's carnival. right, and they were selling them at a booth at the elementary school carnival, so <laughs> good times.
2: Still better than Edge of Tomorrow. That's so, true, uh, definitely true. <laughs>
3: Roseman.
2: Rose. The hell? So, uh, it was neat to hear um, uh, Julie Hoverson on this episode. I don't know if I appreciate her as much as I sh- ought to. She's really talented.
1: Yeah, it was nice to hear. her. And now it's time for the hate letter of the week. What?
2: No, no, no. We call it "chill my shank my shite," something like that. What is it called? Plug, An d- plug yourself is what. Well. That's right. Pl- Dude, we haven't done a hate letter, and in- do we really have a hate letter?
1: Yeah, we have to do it. Uh, wow. I, I think we been he's able- right.
2: We the contract we signed. We actually have to do it.
0: Well, I thought we were done with those. Okay, well, here... We have a hate letter. Uh, yeah, okay, go ahead. Here we go. Dear Big and Rich, I just went through the whole podcast to date and have to say, you suck. The only reason I could make it through the podcast was the hope that either of you would die of a massive hemorrhage on air. I'm sure that your banter, let alone the voices, have caused more hearing damage
1: than the entire metal music scene. The Doonstief Audio Fiction magazine does not cause hearing loss, but sometimes it does make it seem like an option worth considering.
0: Oh. Thank you. enough, announcer, man, thank you. Uh,
2: <clears throat> the, the, the lawyer said he had to say that as well.
0: <laughs> the Roomba with a voice, R-O-8-O-T, had it right when he wanted to do away with the both of you. In typical Doonsty fashion, you fouled that up by switching his personality. Too bad the two of you don't have a changeable personality matrix. That might have prevented this world disaster. Luckily, there is a redeeming quality to the show. Ooh, keep reading. It gives the mentally handicapped hope at succeeding, since obviously IQ has no play in your business. I leave you both with this bit of advice. Stop calling your Little League trophy a parsec. It's shameful and see-through. Much like the lingerie your mother's wore for Sir Sean Connery. Oh, come on. Disgustedly yours, The Ghost of John Smith. Oh, well, at least John Smith's still listening, even if it's in ghost form. He's our oldest listener.
2: See, this is so weird. The guy actually must have listened to the I, he, I had forgotten completely about the damned robot. and <laughs>
3: uh,
2: I mean, I, I, I remember there being a robot, but I forgot that we had changed the personality on it. And uh, So John Smith, uh, the late John Smith, thank you for sending that to us. I Well, what, what word am I thinking of? It sounds a little bit like thank you.
0: Something like that. It does include you, the phrase, I believe. Keep those cards and letters coming, folks. Uh, Keep those cards and letters coming, folks. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks for listening, everybody, to this episode of the Doonstief Audio Fiction Magazine. We hope you enjoyed it. I think we've run our course. We're going to go ahead and let you go your merry
2: way and have a wonderful rest of the day. Hey, thanks one more time to Justin Charles. This guy, he's just going to, we're going to have him host the show as well instead of uh, us because uh, he wants to work on it and neither of us do. So, (laughs) yeah. Good guy.
0: And uh, thanks to Josh Roseman, the famous trombonist. No, the
2: other one. The other one, yeah. Yeah.
0: For uh, submitting a story to us today.
2: Is there anything else? No, we'll put, like, a link to his website, to Josh's website on there, so you can find out what's going on in his world.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember,
2: dreams don't come true.
0: They are made true? That's right. I'm Big Anglovich.
2: Everybody, everywhere.
0: I'm Rich Atfield. <laughs> See you
1: later, folks.
2: For you, oh. For-
1: Dune Steve Audio Fiction Magazine is published under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. You may share these files with anyone, but you may not charge for them or alter them. Hasta La Vista, baby. Take two.
2: Cleanup by Josh Roseman, not the trombonist.
1: The
2: The other other one. one.
0: In typical Doonstie fashion, you fouled that up by switching his personality. Too bad the two of you don't have a changeable personality matrix. Let me say that again. Too bad the two of you don't have a per... Let me say that again.
2: This guy is not a very good emailer.